Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Good morning, everyone. Hey, it is so good to have you in the house of God this morning. See some familiar faces, some new faces as well. And for those of you at home, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's just good to be back in the house of God. And Angie and I have been on vacation for a couple weeks. We were here at the church picnic, but to be back in the church on uh, it feels weird. It feels a little different for me to be be back after this this little uh, break that we were on. And uh, my wife is not with me right now. She we just flew her out this morning uh, to uh, Denver, Colorado, so she could be with her mom. Her mom just uh, co- contracted COVID earlier this uh, this past week, and now she's coming out of COVID, still ha- having some difficulties with pneumonia. So my prayers are with my mother-in-law right now and my wife that are out there in Denver right now. We want you to know we're praying for you. And so my wife's just going out there to support my, my mother-in-law, to be there to help them through this process. And we also pray for all those other individuals that have gone through the season of COVID as well. And I need you to know it's a season. It's not a lifestyle that we're going to get through this. This is something that a process that we're going through and that God is still on the throne regardless of the storms that we go through. I want to encourage you today that COVID is, this is a season. It's something that we have to learn to navigate, but we can't allow it to control your life. You can't allow the fear to overcome you to the point that you're not living either. I want you to be safe. I want you to be wise. And for those of you here, would you stand to your feet? We are starting a new series today called I Am CWC. I am CWC. You see, the church isn't the building. You can't shut the church down. You can close the door of the building. You can mandate that we can't meet publicly. But I will tell you this, you will never shut the church of Jesus Christ down because the church is not a building. The church is the people. CWC isn't Pastor Dan, it's you. It's you, it's you, your family, it's your children. It's it's the literal, the lifeblood of what we believe that Christ as our Savior. And today, CWC is about love God, love people, and let's change the world. Come on, somebody say that with me. Love God, love people, change the world. And so when we talk about that, I want you to understand this morning, we we are going to talk about vision this morning. What's the vision of CWC Bay Area? Why do we exist? And I want you to know our motto or our, our statement of purpose is love God, love people, change the world. How many of you know that we will never accomplish that goal? Let me try this side. How many know that we will never accomplish that goal? In other words, let me put it this way. We will never be done with our mission. We will never get to the point where we say, okay, man, we've loved God all we can. We've loved all the people that we can, and we've already changed the world. But it's going to be a consistent, continual belief, a continual drive. Every day we got to love God. Every day you got to love people. Every day we got to do our best to change the world. Somebody say amen. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel. And as you're turning to 1 Samuel... As we talk about vision, you can't talk about vision without referring to Proverbs 29 verse or 28 verse 19, where it says, where there's no vision, people, even non-believers know that scripture. In fact, other, other versions put it this way, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. 
Another version says this, without guidance from God's law, without guidance from God and his law, order disappears. So it's the word of God that keeps us in our lanes. When we talk about vision, vision does not refer to, man, I have a goal for my marriage. I want to have a house at this age. I want to own my business by this time. That's not vision. That's personal goals. When we talk about vision, true vision is living your life according to the standard and the, the boundaries that are set up by God's law. True vision is when I realize this is the way God does marriage. This is the way God raises a family. This is the way God deals with finance. This is a God, the way God deals with health. When you do things God's way, it leads to life. Come on, somebody say amen. First Samuel chapter 17. I want to tell a story through the eyes of a young man by the name of David in regards to vision as we talk about our vision Sunday. Verse 14 says, David was the youngest son. David's oldest, three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went what? David went what? Back and forth. Everyone say back and forth. So that he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Bow your heads as we pray this morning. Father, help. In Jesus' name, everyone says Amen. You may be seated this morning. I, I, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like you were going back and forth in life? Where you have a promise on your life and you're so excited about the promise God gave you and you begin to pursue it only to get knocked backwards and you feel like you're starting over at ground zero all over again. And then you begin to pursue it again. You start working to get out of debt. You start working to get healthy. You start working on your marriage. And every single time you start climbing out of the hole, it seems like you get knocked right back down into the hole and you're starting all over again. David has been anointed king. Everyone say king. And yet he finds himself back with the sheep as a shepherd. David is the youngest of David is the youngest of eight brothers and he's neglected by his family. In fact, some scholars believe that David may have been the result of an ancestral or, or an adulterous affair. Because David says this, he says it was in sin that I was conceived. And that when, they, when the prophet says, I'm going to anoint one of your sons as king, Jesse, get your sons lined up and I'm going to anoint one of them as king. He doesn't invite David to the party. And so some people believe that he might have been trying to hide his indiscretion. But when the prophet showed up, God said, I don't look upon men like you do. Man looks on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. And so when, when the prophet goes through the oldest who's strong, buff, good looking, he says, this obviously has to be God's anointed. And God says, no, I've rejected him. And I rejected him. And I rejected him. And I rejected him. And I rejected him. And he's not it. And he's not it. Do you have any more sons? Let me tell you something. When God has a plan to promote you, no one can hide you. Your, your boss at work might be trying to keep you down. Your supervisors may be trying to keep you from getting promoted. But I'm here to tell you, when God has an anointing on your life, there's no demon in hell that can keep you from doing what God's called you to do. Come on, somebody needs to testify this morning. 
Vision is more than the ability to see. Vision is the ability to perceive. It's the ability to see what's coming. And I want you to understand, although forgotten by his brothers, neglected by his, or neglected by his father, uh, forgotten by his brothers, and finds himself put on the unseen, put uh, there, there in the pasture, although he's, he's still tending sheep, he's anointed king. And he's the one that God says, you will be the one to lead my people. And after he gets anointed king, follow me on this, okay? He gets anointed king, and you would think after being acknowledged as king, he'd go to the palace. Doesn't that make sense? I just got anointed king, so obviously my next step is the palace. But instead of going to the palace... He goes back to the pasture. Have you ever been anointed for one thing, but you find yourself somewhere else? Have you ever had a call on your life to do something, but you find yourself still at the cosmetic counter when you've been called to set ladies free? You find yourself dealing in one area when God's called you to another. But David finds himself after being anointed king, he goes back to the pasture. Sometimes your assignment does not match your anointing. Come on, say it again, Pastor. There will be seasons in your life where your assignment will not match your anointing. But can you be faithful to your assignment even when your anointing is greater than your assignment? So I want to give you three things very quickly that I believe David did in the vision. And then we're going to talk about the vision of CWC. First thing you got to do is this. You got to suck it up. Suck it up, cupcake. Get over yourself. I, I know I'm, I'm better than this. Why do they have me in this department? Why am I serving in this ministry? Why do they have me working here? Why am I blowing dust in the parking lot? Why am I cleaning bathrooms? God has a call on my life. Listen, suck it up. When God has a call on your life, walk in the anointing, walk in the assignment that God has you in in that moment. Let me give you some encouragement. Deal with it. Face it. Accept it. Confront it, handle it, embrace it, dominate it. Wherever God has placed you right now, do your best. Oh, come on, somebody shout and give God a praise. Colossians chapter 3 puts it this way. Whatever you do, someone say whatever. Whatever. Work at it wholeheartedly as though you were doing it unto the Lord and not merely for people. And so when you're cleaning that car, clean it as unto the Lord. As you're vacuuming that carpet, do it as unto the Lord. As you're preparing that presentation, hey, this is for the Lord. I'm going to do my best as I'm getting ready to do that sales pitch, as I get ready to sell this car, as I get ready to, to do this business presentation. I am not doing it for the company. I'm doing it for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. David understood that his current assignment was an audition for something better. Where you're at right now is an audition. God is preparing you for the call that he is taking you. But if you don't learn the lessons in the pasture, you will not be prepared when you get to the palace. So you have to be prepared in the pasture so that you could learn how to rule in the palace. See, David understood that. You see, this is the problem. How many want more? 
How, how many have room for more? We, we, we say our declaration about, you know, as we give, that God will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Test me in this. How many want more from God? And I don't mean just money either. I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about blessing. I'm talking about uh, opportunity. You want more. You want more promotion, but you're stressed out in your current responsibilities. You want more, but your own ministry, you, you want your own ministry, but you can't even show up to the ministry that you're volunteering in right now. You want more. You want a title, but you won't pick up a towel. You want more. You want a rule in the palace, but you refuse to show up in the pasture. Oh, I'm preaching right now. See, we want more, but we don't want to invest and do the things that are necessary to prepare us for that next step. I believe that God is getting ready to do some great promotion in this house right now. Some of you have been praying and believing for God to take you to new levels. You believe you've been believing and you've been holding on and holding on like a pet bull grabbing a hold of a bone. You have been chewing on that thing. You have been on that thing. You've been believing God for that thing. I want to tell you, don't give up. Hold on because the lessons of the pastor prepare you for the palace. So let me tell you this. Embrace the season. Embrace it. Don't run from it. Because when you get to the palace, you will long for the peace of the pasture. When you get to the palace and everyone's calling your name, you're going to look back and think, man, I wish I was back in the pasture. It was so quiet, just me and the sheep. Only had to deal with a bear and a lion every so often. Now I got to deal with people. And they're even more brutal than the bears and the lion. Come on, somebody. Bishop used to tell me ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. <laughs> I, 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 I tell I just uh, somebody say amen. See, the pastor prepares you to win in private. Because it's your private victories that set you up for your public ones. If you're losing in private, you're never going to win in public. If you're losing when your pornography uh, on the Internet, if you're losing in your integrity with your finances, if you're losing into your health, if you're losing in gossip and, and the words that proceed out of your mouth, then you are going to fail when God puts you on the public stage. Win your private battles right now. So the first thing you got to do is suck it up. Everyone say suck it up. Second thing we got to do is we got to step it up. We got to step it up. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17. One day David said, uh, Jesse said to David, everyone say Jesse. Jesse. Who's Jesse? Who is he? That's David's father. And I, what I want you to understand, David is not even invited by his dad to the anointing. He ends up getting anointed. And then not only does his dad not recognize the anointing, he sends him back to the sheep. Sometimes the people ruling over you don't value you. Let me let that sink in. Sometimes the people over you do not value you. And David finds himself back with the sheep again. And then his father tells him this. Talk about degrading. 
take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them as quickly as you can to your brothers. Give them these ten cuts of cheese to their captains and see how your brothers are getting along and then bring me back a report on how they're doing. David became the first DoorDash and the first Grubhub of his time. And you take these pizzas over to them and Little Caesars, get these over to them, find out what's going on. Then I want you to bring me back. There was no texting. There was no video. There was no Facebook Live. They had to bring word back to what was taking place. So he sends David to do this. Now, I need you to see what happens. It says, one day Jesse said to Again, who was Jesse? David's dad. David's dad. And I want you to understand something. When you do what your father tells you to do. When you learn to do what your father tells you to do. Opportunities open up to you. It's through obedience that you find opportunity. Oh, no, you, you, got, you got to grab a hold of this. I want you to see that even Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 38, For I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not my own will. Jesus submitted himself to his Father's will. Everything Jesus did on earth was to respond to what his Father asked him to do. When we disobey our Heavenly Father, we will not walk in the opportunities that God has for us. The key to Jesus' success was his ability to do the Father's will. I want you to see what happens through obedience. Someone say obedience. Obedience. Through obedience, David finds opportunity. Some of you are wondering, how how come that person gets opportunities? Why is that individual getting opportunities? Why is this person having the opportunity to be advanced and promoted and so forth? Why is that individual getting recognized? Why is that person doing this? you got to check that person's life. I guarantee you this, obedience is part of their life. Because when you feel like opportunities are passing you by, it's because a lot of times we're not obeying what God's told us to do. If David, listen carefully, if David doesn't obey his father, take the loaves and the, and the bread, the, the bread and the, the cheese, and take it to his brothers at the front line, he never hears Goliath's calls. It was through obedience that he finds opportunity. It's through your obedience that you're going to find yourself in the right place at the right time for your promotion. David didn't go looking to, to kill Goliath. He wasn't looking for a fight. He was just obeying his father. And through obedience, the door of opportunity opened to him. And because his heart was ready and he knew who he was through Christ Jesus, he was able to walk in those aspects. Listen, stop complaining about your assignment and start walking in your anointing. Let me say that again. Stop complaining about your assignment. Now, why do they have me doing this? Why am I checking into kids at the children's church? Man, why do they have me doing this? Why am I at the door checking temperatures? Why am I doing this? Why am I cleaning? Why am I spraying? Why, why, why? And all we do is complain. If we would stop complaining about our assignment and start walking our anointing, you would see transformation take place. Lastly, as I, as I close David's aspect of this, so the first thing was to suck it up. The second one was to step it up. The last one is shut it up. 
shut it up. That there's some detractors in your life that are going to come against you, and you got to learn how to shut out the detractors. When David steps up and he begins to ask about the giant that's calling him down, David's brother rises up and says, what are you doing here? Who's watching the sheep? He's already bitter because he was passed over as king. And now he's attacking his brother. David could have found himself in an argument with his brother, got distracted from his call. Listen, the closer you get to your goal, the more distractions will begin to rise up in your life. And David's brother begins to call him. He tells David when he sees him talking to the men, he gets angry in verse, 20, uh, verse 29 or 28. And he says, what are you doing here uh, anyway? He demanded, where are those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and your deceit. What's funny is this. When you begin to find people that are unhappy with their own lives, they'll begin to find the reality was he was the one that was prideful. He was the one that was deceitful, Eliab. And so you begin to see people through your own lenses when you are going through difficult times. And all of a sudden, you begin to see your own sin on someone else's life. He began to attack his brother, David, for being prideful and for being deceitful. But that wasn't David's heart. But that was Eliab's. But what's he do? I want you to see the closer you get to your destiny, the more distractions will arise your fight, listen to this, your fight is not with Eliab. Your fight is not with your brothers and sisters. Your fight's not with your husband, it's not with your wife. Your fight's not with your pastor, it's not with your church. Your fight is not with the Democrats or the Republicans. Your fight is not with the vaxxed or the unvaxxed. Your fight is not with one group or the other group. It's not with a political party or another political party. Your fight is against the enemy. And do not get distracted by the other things going around. There's so much noise going around that we're getting distracted from our call. Eliab tries to put David in his place, and I, I need you to understand, you're going to have critics that are going to rise up. And what I love about God, God doesn't take polls before he promotes you. God doesn't ask for opinions before he raises you up. God doesn't ask what other people think about you. You got your critics that say, you're not qualified. You shouldn't be here. You don't deserve this. You got individuals that see you through the lenses of your past, or they're jealous about what you have. They won't stand up and fight for you, but they'll attack you. Now, what's a trip is this. The very people that are hiding out from Goliath are the very ones judging you because you're going to rise up and face them. It's not how you should do it, man. Here, take, take the spear, take the sword, take this armor. Everyone that's not doing anything is telling David how to do it. If you know how to do it, why aren't you down there? If you know how this is supposed to go, you arm up. But if you're not going to arm up, shut up. I'm not going get to get into it with you. I don't have time to fight with you, Eliab. You're not my focus. You're not my, my enemy. The enemy is in the valley, and that's the one I need to go after. And so don't argue with Eliab. Don't argue with your brother, your sister. Don't get into it with them. Listen, don't even argue with Goliath. When David goes down, Goliath says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Goliath is talking smack to him. 
Now, you want to talk, it was like WWE. It's just like, I'm going to get him, I'm going to break him, I'm going to destroy him, I'm going to give his body to the, to the birds. He is just talking smack, and he's going off, I'm going to crush him like a worm, and all this, they're going on and on. <laughs> David doesn't even engage, he shuts it. Look what David says. You come at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of the armies, host of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And what, what's he do? He calls his shot today. You got to set a deadline to when God's going to do something. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. Shut it up. I said, shut it up. The enemy began to come at him. He says, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cut your head off because I don't want to hear you talk no more. I don't want to hear your commentary anymore. I don't want to hear your ideas. I don't need to hear your opinion. I'm going to cut your head off. And you know the story. David, with one rock, hits him right in the center of the head. He falls, and he doesn't just leave him there. He goes and takes Goliath's sword, and then he cuts Goliath's head off. He didn't even go to the war with the, with the sword. He took Goliath's sword, and he cut off his head. Listen to me. I want to prophesy to you right now. All the weapons that the enemy prepared to bring against you, all the weapons that the enemy meant to destroy you, God is going to take what the enemy meant to destroy you, place them in your hands to wipe out your enemy. You're going to cut off the head of the enemy with the very thing that the enemy meant to destroy you. Somebody say amen. Somebody shout, shut it. Got to shut it up. Cut off his head. Now talk. Now say something. And, and that, that's the problem. Many of us through the word of God are knocking our giants down. But you're not cutting off the head. You're not finishing the deal. You're giving them the ability to get back up again. And so you're having to get another rock and ask for another miracle. And we keep on knocking the same giant down that you should have killed years ago. Come on, think about it. How many of you are still dealing with anger that you dealt with when you were in high school? How many are still dealing with, with jealousy that you had when you were younger? How many are still dealing with bitterness that you've been carrying around for years? Those are all giants that are coming against you. Still dealing with pornography, still dealing with, 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 with gossip. We got to cut off the head of those giants and don't allow them to rise anymore. I do not, listen carefully, I refuse to allow a giant to raise up against my family that I'm responsible for killing. My daughters, listen, my daughters will not face a giant that I'm responsible for killing. I'm going to take care of my giants. They're going to have their own, but I'm going to take care of mine. What the enemy intended to destroy you with, God will place in your hands to demolish him. Now, listen carefully as I, as I close this part. Still with me? Okay. David waited 25 years. Come on, somebody. From anointing to kingship. 25 years of waiting, 25 years of delay before he became king. 
Then he had to wait another seven years to become king over all of Israel because he just became king over Judah initially. Between his anointing and his appointment, 25 years. Almost two years ago, this is where I want to bring it together. Almost two years ago, we stood in January 2020. And we began to talk about our vision Sunday of what God was going to do in this decade of dominion. From 2020 to 2030. And our goal at that time was, and we were, we were, we were, we were on point. We were ready to go, ready for Easter Sunday. We were ready. We were focused in on what God was going to do. We had the goal. We're going to break a thousand in San Jose. We're going to break a hundred here in Milpitas. And God, we were just going to see God do some great things. And then COVID hit us in our mouth. It's like Mike Tyson said, what, what's the one punch that hurts you the most? He says, the one you didn't see coming. So everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Everyone has a plan until you get, you get, you get hit. And CWC, we, we, along with the world, we got hit. As I look at the numbers that we had pre-COVID, over 500 in San Jose, 75 here in, here in Milpitas, we were on the cusp, we were on the verge, and then all of a sudden COVID comes in and we begin to lose people that begin to move out of California because they didn't want to deal with California anymore. But I'm here to tell you this, I'm not leaving California. I'm not leaving my city. I'm not leaving my state because God called us to be here in this city for this time, for this season. We are not abandoning this town. We're not abandoning this state. Why? Because God will rule in California once again. We will see the glory of God poured out upon our state, our city, our families, our neighborhoods, your homes. God will reign once again I heard a pastor say as people were leaving they asked him are you leaving too he says no someone has to be here to turn off the lights we're not here to turn off the lights we came here to turn them on You could be seated for, for a second. Let me walk you through this, okay? What's our mission? What's our mandate? Love God. Love people. Change the world. Love God is, the, that, that's the, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love people. Second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our whole church is predicated on these two foundations. The greatest commandment and the Great Commission. But I want to ask you, I want, to, I want you to take a look at this graph that's coming up right now. Where are you in this graph? In the center you see Jesus, and the closest disciple to him was John. He was known as the beloved disciple. He was the one that heard Jesus' heartbeat. Then next to him where you had the three disciples that were known as the sons of thunder. 
These were the guys that Jesus took up to the Mount of Transfiguration. While the other nine dealt with the demon in the valley, these three were up there and they got to meet Moses. They got to meet Elijah. They got to see Jesus in his glory. See, I need you to understand that not everyone is treated equal in the kingdom. No, you see, we have this idea that everyone's equal and they're not equal. Not even Jesus treated everyone equal. He treated everyone based on their calling, their anointing, and their availability. See, you want more for God, but you cannot expect to have a revelation of the transfiguration on the mountaintop if you're one of the multitude that just comes to eat. You're only there when he breaks the loaves and the fishes. See, they didn't get that kind of revelation. See, on the outside, you had the multitudes. Those were the ones that came when he, he multiplied the fishes and the loaves and they got to eat and they were, they were part of the miracle. They received it. Then there were 500 that watched him ascend. Then there were seven, 120 that were in the upper room to receive the Holy Spirit. There were 70 that he sent out one by one in order to go and cast out demons and, and speak the, the word of God and set people free. And then from there, you got the nine, the three, and the one. Where are you at? If we look at this right here, where are you at? Are you a multitude person? Are you a 120? Are you a nine, a three, or a one? My prayer this year, my vision for this church, for you, that if you're a multitude, become part of the 500. If you're part of the 500, then become part of the 120. If you're part of the 120s, move in closer and become part of the 70. If you're part of the 70, become part of the 12. If you're part of the 12, then move in and become part of the nine. Then move in and become part of the three. And then try to get close to God to where you hear his heartbeat and be part of the one. Come on, somebody. It's all about progress. Our goal, our vision for CWC Bay Area, how are we going to love God, love people, and change the world? This is give, COVID has given us a reboot. And so what we're doing People are asking, when are we reopening at Mount Pleasant? We're not. We're not. Because I realized this, that over there at Mount Pleasant, we were, we were putting a lot of income, a lot of finances into, Milpita, into to San Jose. Instead of having a campus right next to Milpitas, let's begin to create other campuses across Northern California. Let's invest into the gospel and our first campus we're going to start is going to be with Pastor Nick in Hollister. We have a lot of people that come up from Hollister, and we love you guys that drive all the way from Hollister every Sunday. But wouldn't it be great to wake up and go to church in your own city? But not only Hollister, what about Los Banos? What about Hayward? What about Pleasanton? What about Tracy? What about Morgan Hill? What about beginning to expand and begin to plant campuses in different places? But in order to do that, listen, in order for us to plant other campuses, we got to make sure home is strong. Home has to be strong enough that it can sustain us sending people out. And so as we get to certain numerical goals here, we're going to begin to send out these campuses. And then when we get to that next numerical goal again, then we'll send out another campus. Get to another numerical goal again, we'll send out another campus. But in order to do that, leader, listen, we're going to need 
We're going to need more leaders. Listen carefully. Many of you sitting right here are the faithful. It's been said that those that come to the early service don't just love the pastor or the church. They really love God. Get up early and come to church. Some of you hear that there's a call on your life. And you've been doing the bivocational thing for a long time. And you might continue to still do so. But God's called you to pastor. To cover. To minister. You have a passion for people. You're a shepherd like David. In order for us to accomplish this goal, we need to raise up at least 50 new ministers in the next 10 years. We're going to need during that time to activate 100 new members to ministry. We're going to need to develop our training ground called BALA, Bay Area Leadership Academy, to raise up new leaders that will become ministers that will then go out and then take over these campuses. We got to be more involved in our community. We got to figure out through light of life, our homeless ministry, taking time to partner with some of the other ministries here at our church that are reaching out to at-risk youth and finding out how we can support them, not recreate the will, but just come alongside them to support what they're doing. See, listen to me. I, I believe we're going to have to raise up new worship leaders. We need more worship teams, more worship leaders. We have a great worship team. I love our, when, when Troy sings, the heavens open. There is an anointing. When Randy begins to play and he begins to enter us into worship, something happens. But we need more worship leaders if we're going to plant more churches. For some of you, that means start learning to play. For some of you, that means get the heart of God. For some of you, that means get out of your comfort zone and start letting God do what God called you to do, what you know you're called to do. Let, let, let me say this as I, as I get ready to close here, okay? I would be a terrible church member. I'd be the worst. Because I know my call. And when you don't walk in your call, you become judgmental over other people that are walking in it. Say it again, Pastor. You, you judge how they preach, you judge how they sing, you judge how they, how they minister, you judge how, they, how, how they, they do things, how they carry themselves. Why? Because you have a call. And you know that you're called to do that. And so when you're not doing it, it leads to frustration. What I call holy constipation. You know there's something in there that's supposed to come out. Come on, somebody. And you're, you're, you're spiritually constipated right now. You can't get out what God wants to get through you. And so you begin to get frustrated. You judge other people. You look at other people and judge what they're doing. And just like Eliab, you begin to say, I know your heart. You're deceitful. I know your pride. But when I walk in my call, I'm not going to judge your ministry. I'm going to encourage yours. Come on, somebody. Let me say this. We got to get back to soul winning. That's what we're going to do. October 31st, Halloween, we're doing Puppet Master here again. We're going to preach the Puppet Master sermon, and I want you to invite unsaved loved ones. Get them, you just get them here. We'll get them saved. 
The Holy Spirit will draw them. You just get them here. And I guarantee you through the process and the presentation of Puppet Master, you're going to see people's lives change. But we got to get back to soul winning. We got to get back to, to ministering to our community. We got to get back to discipling. We got to get back to stop coming to church and start being the church. It's time to return to the things that God called us to do. Do the things that we did before. But because of COVID, we're afraid to get back out and do certain things. I refuse to allow this virus to end up that there's only one thing worse than getting COVID. And that's what your faith ends up with COVID. And you're not able to breathe spiritually. Stand to your feet with me. Everyone say, suck it up. Step it up. Shut it up. I want you to bow your heads right where you are. And I want you just to ask God. In the stillness of your heart, God, give me a vision. As Pastor Troy was singing earlier, just a reminded me of Joel chapter 2. I want to read this over you as you're praying and asking God for direction. And that's just the beginning. After that, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy and your daughters. Your old men will dream and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on servants and men and women both. I will set wonders in the sky and signs on the earth below. Father, we pray right now that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Lord, we're ready. We're ready. Pour it out. Pour it out. Lord, we recognize that at CWC Bay Area, that God, that we want to take over territory. Lord, we're getting smaller in order to get bigger. Lord, we're getting smaller in order to get bigger. That God eventually will have churches planted all over Northern California, throughout, throughout, my God, even California, throughout the United States, and even across the world. Lord, I pray right now, my God, that we would lay a foundation and not give up during this season. Not give up, my God, during this, this, this time in the pasture because we know we've been called to the palace. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You know you have a vision, something that God's placed on your life. I want you just to wave your hand back and forth. Say, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for what God has for me. I'm ready for what God, I want more. Yes, yes, I see those hands going up. I want more. I want more. Yes, God, I want more. I'm ready. I had visions a few years ago, but you know what? Life has beat me down to the point where I started thinking, this is just the way it's going to be. No, it's not. That's not the way it's going to be. God's plan for your life is still active. God's purpose for your life is still alive. And for even those of you at home, you're sitting there thinking you're done, you're through, it's over. It's not even close to over. What you are calling a dead end, God is calling a new beginning. It's a new start for you right now. The Spirit of God is being poured out even now. So Father, I pray for every hand lifted right now. And I pray, God, new lenses to see beyond our circumstances. Lord, we've been beaten down so long. And for so long, God, it's caused us to only see what's in front of us. Grant us greater vision to see beyond the circumstance and to see through the lenses of your word not through the lenses of this world. Give me lenses through the word, not the lenses of this world. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. 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 Hey, we love you. In the next few weeks, starting next week, we're going to talk about love God.
And we're going to talk about four ways that we get to know love God. Next week, we're going to talk about following God. That your follow determines your love for God. Love can be measured. And if you say you love God, then you need to follow him. So until we get together next week, for those of you at home, those of you here, listen, love God, love people, and baby, let's change the world. Amen. We love you. God bless you today. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.